This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast, sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast is also sponsored by Visit Bemidji and Grant Haven Campground. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. Hi, this is Dick Beardsley, Bemidji Area Fishing Guide. I'd like to invite you to come to our beautiful town of Bemidji. We've got over 400 lakes in our area teeming with walleye, pike, muskie, bass, and panfish. We're the gateway to the Chippewa National Forest. We've got miles upon miles of biking and hiking trails. Paul Bunyan and Bathe the Blue Ox. Fine shops and eateries in downtown Bemidji. Headwaters of the mighty Mississippi at Itasca State Park. Beautiful resorts, hotels, and bed and breakfasts. Visit Bemidji one step further. I won't ever understand my shorties be mad When all I wanna do is stick my toes in the sand There's nothing wrong with champagne, dancing and such But the nightlife in the city don't impress me much some trout the fishes all tremble at the thought of me when i'm f-i-s-h-double-i-n paul bunyan country coming up today the countdown to opener continues as we put the spotlight on the brainerd lakes area with mark batchigalupi the brainerd area fishery supervisor Plus, Toby Cavallimog from leisure outdoor adventures is in to preview the opener and we throw a fast five at him as well it's all coming up. This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored in part by Bemidji State University. You can pursue your passions with a world-class education in the heart of Minnesota's Northwoods. The drive to acquire deeper knowledge and develop greater wisdom is already in your nature. So join us on the shores of Lake Bemidji. Minnesota's premier Northwoods University can help you make the world a better place than you found it. Learn more at BemidjiState.edu and schedule a tour today. BemidjiState.edu The countdown continues to the fishing opener, and today we're taking an in-depth look at the Brainerd Lakes area with Mark Bacigalupi. He is the Brainerd Area Fisheries Supervisor. Mark, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, as always. Well, we're going to take a you know kind of an overview as we go into the season on, on how things are looking in uh, the Brainerd area waters, and of course, you've got a you know some really big gems, very popular lakes. You've got Gull Lake, of course, and and some of those some of those waters right there. You've got the Whitefish Chain. Uh, I would say those are the the two you know chains or the two lakes that I hear the most about. Yeah, Brainerd has what I guess I don't know if people call it. I call it the Great Lakes in in the Brainerd area. We've got. North Long is, you know, 5,000 acres, and Pelican is 8,000 acres. The whitefish chain is, you know, 14,000 acres put together. Gull is uh, around 13,000 when you when you include Round Lake and those other smaller basins that are connected. So lots of water to cover in, in the Crow Wing County and Cass, Lower Cass County areas. We, you know, and, and I always have... For me, I'm, I'm up in the Bemidji area, have been for a long time, so I kind of look through, through that lens. And, you know, we have certain, you know, uh, very, very popular lakes, but even those do not get the kind of traffic that the Brainerd Lakes area gets on a, on a regular basis. There's a, the sheer number of boats and boaters and visitors you have, uh, I, I, we can't even comprehend up here. 
Yeah, I suppose it's one of the original cabin countries, and it's a little closer, you know, just two hours to the cities and back uh, to the Brainerd area. A little easier to do for a two-day weekend, I suppose. And, uh, you know, really nice resources here to come and visit here. And, and they've done a good job with all the amenities. You know, the resorts have popped up. Uh, some of the biggest ones in the state, of course, are here. And uh, still few of the mom-and-pop resorts and, and all the gas stations and hotels and bait shops that you kind of need. And uh, it, it does, uh, it does, you know, put a little pressure on you guys to make sure everything's going well. Uh, but, uh, you know, th- those lakes just keep cranking out fish. Yep, we uh, we do our best to monitor the the big lakes, and and uh, we do our best to get around to the smaller ones. But you know, there's over a hundred uh, managed lakes just in Crow and County alone. Um, so some of those lakes don't get visited by us in in uh, even a 12 year stretch, unfortunately. But we use the information we do collect to kind of extrapolate and and form patterns in our management plans that seem to work and. And we're, of course, getting feedback from from people that are on those water bodies quite a bit all the time. So overall, um, would you say things are, are going well in the Brainerd Lakes area? Yeah, we're doing really well. What I would say is that, you know, we're kind of a hot spot for some of the new invasive species. And so we seem to be uh, the, the guinea pigs for everything a little bit. Um, what I would say is uh, we've learned a lot in the last 10 years and have already started to adapt to the zebra mussel phenomenon that you're seeing statewide um, in terms of fisheries. Uh, we're still learning a lot here, but uh, some of some of the data we're providing has been really important on that. And, and yeah, we're hanging in there with uh, walleye fisheries, um, bass, pike um, are, are still doing well, and, and it seems like bass may be expanding. That's one of the trends is that bass are expanding in their in their abundance and, and role in some of these fishery systems. That is uh, that is not uh, unique to to the Brainerd Lakes area. It sure seems that we've uh, seen a vast increase in it. I think there's been some some you know evidence of it, and I think a lot of it's anecdotal as well of the, of uh, smallmouth uh, really really taking off up in our area. Um, I don't know. Is that climate change? Yeah, that might be a little bit of climate change. Um, it might be a little bit of clearing waters, and, and part of it's not just uh, zebra mussels that clear the water, but really since the 70s, um, we've, and we've been working towards that, which is, you know, reducing the nutrients that are running into, you know, the, the human-induced um, nutrient sources running into our lakes. We've been, that's a positive thing that we've been doing, and uh, some of the clearer water probably does favor those site predators, and 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 fish that uh, take advantage of plants that are growing with the increased sunlight penetration. Well, you know, there's so many reasons. Like you noted, um, a lot of it has to do with the the way um, you know people have rebuilt their septics and different things like that, or got on city water on some lakes throughout the state of Minnesota. Other aspects are are you know are those motors. Those motors are are burning much cleaner than they used to as well. And a lot of times when we're out there trolling, it's all electronic motors where it used to be you know a little five horse gas powered motor. So all that stuff helps too. Yeah, it's it's interesting. They're doing uh, some of the wake. Uh, the U of M is doing wake boat studies and stuff that of uh, some of the larger waves that can be produced. Um, petroleum pollution is an interesting one. You know, the the gas that sometimes you see a little um, 
oil slick on the surface of the water, you know, and that evaporates for the most part. Um, there's really a lot of dynamics that go into, you know, what is, what are um, making up the the nutrient pollution in a system. What's interesting, and we're talking about some of the big lakes in in Brainerd, um, wind power is the big thing that really shapes uh, these water bodies and and the recirculation of nutrients in these systems. So you see sand and gravelly shores and rocky shores in areas where that receive a lot of wind and wave power. Uh, that, that's yeah. just one of the things I find really interesting about these lakes. Noted that you've had uh, AAS and zebra mussels in particular a little longer than a lot of places in the state. Um, but still, you know, even a 10-year period is still, you know, kind of a small snapshot in the grand scheme of things. But in that decade, what have you noticed about uh, changes in the water due to AIS, or have you noticed that? Yeah, you're right about that. Ten years isn't a long time in terms of ecological change. But here's what we're seeing. Um, our our big basins in, in Brainerd, have done very well with walleye fry stocking, which is when a, a walleye just hatches out of its egg. It's about the size of a mosquito. And you can put a million uh, fry into a lake uh, fairly easily. That's 10 jugs of fish. And um, and off they go. And in the fall, you check and you're seeing, oh, yeah, those walleyes that we stocked as fry are doing really well. That The way we sample those is through electrofishing and, and we do these sand flats. We go over these sand flats at night, then you can see, you know, 100 per hour is really is really good. So now in these zebra mussel lakes, I'm just, just going to say, I'm trying not to jump into the, the reasons why we think that's happening, but in the zebra mussel lakes, we're not seeing the fry survive very well um, and really very quite consistently we're seeing poor fry survival. And our answer to that in a couple of cases, pelican and gull in particular, has been to stock fingerlings. And we're seeing that those fingerlings are doing pretty well. And they're they're still providing the walleye fishing that people are coming to expect, uh, which is good. Um, it's, it's a little bit of a concern, though. You We can't stock our way out of this, you, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the whole state. So um, more, more is to be learned. It's, it's we, we can't generalize to the whole state, but um, that's one of the things we're seeing right now. Okay. Um, what would you say? I mean, if you were in, you know, as you look at your your area, what is the premier walleye water or waters? Well, I would say gull. Um, that's probably the most consistent place where you know where the guide trips are happening, uh, where you know. A visitor says, I want to go catch walleyes. Where is the guide going to take them? They're going to take them to go. Uh, but, you know, we're going to talk about some survey results and stuff. Right now, whitefish chain had a higher um, gillnet catch rate than gull did. Um, so you see that from time to time. It's the same with some of the other water bodies. Sometimes will pop up, and you'll have a year class moving through, that, uh, and, and they're biting pretty well. And I would add also right now pelican which uh, went through probably a, a 10-year period of time where people weren't really going there for to target walleye. It was pretty tough. Uh, some of that is it's a clearer system over there. We were still getting them at night, but the day bite was pretty tough. Now we're um, really seeing a couple of nice year classes coming through on Pelican and, and 
guy trips are going over there and people are pretty happy over there right now with some smaller fish coming through the system 14 15 inches you know one of the fastest growing fish up i mean not fastest growing physically but the fastest growing in popularity uh, up here has certainly been bass within the last five to ten years i think part of it's you know the explosion of, of high school uh, fishing programs i think also just uh, social media and, and watching tournaments and you know watching videos it's it's uh, there's a lot more people targeting bass up here than there used to be and and i know you've had great bass waters for years and i mean there's always been that core of bass anglers but do you see that down there more people fishing bass yeah i would say that's that's the case around here too and of course you got the malax case which is only 20 miles uh sure. east of here too is certainly certainly that phenomenon going on here i'm a perfect case study actually i'm i'm a parent of a 13 year old that that does some bass fishing in those high school tourneys he's qualifies as a junior right now but yeah i was a walleye guy that had to learn how to catch bass and, uh, <laughs> it's it's pretty fun you know they you can uh you know one thing is you know you can get 10 20 bass in a day and uh that, that's pretty tough to do with walleye fishing Later on in today's show, we'll check in with Toby Kavaliva, get his take on the opener. But up next, we continue to put the spotlight on the Brainerd Lakes area with Mark Bacigalupi, the Brainerd Area Fishery Supervisor. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. If you're ready to write the next chapter of your life and love the outdoors, Northwest Technical College might be the perfect fit. Northwest Technical College in Bemidji has state-of-the-art technical education and six career paths in the heart of the Northwoods. Automotive, building trades, business, health, child care, and manufacturing technology. We're surrounded by more than 400 lakes and acres and acres of forests. You can be fishing, you can be hunting, and you can be plotting the course of your life all at the same place. The shortest path to your dream job begins at Northwest Technical College, Bemidji's Technical College. Learn more today. Visit ntcmn.edu. We are continuing the countdown to opener, and we are continuing to put the spotlight on some of the best areas in Paul Bunyan country. Brainerd Lakes, certainly one of those areas. Mark Batchgalupi is the Brainerd Area Fisheries Supervisor. What I think is great is if more people are more diverse and willing to go out, you could spend a lot more hours on the water having fun then if you're just, it's going to be one species and one species only. If you bring a few different baits and you uh, get a little experience on a few different fish, you can get a lot more hours of fun fishing. It's really interesting learning some of those different bass tactics. And, um, you know, you're, you're not up in, you would, if you're a walleye guy, you're not up in two, three, four feet of water very often. Right. Uh, but you are, you are, you are for bass, then you're, thinking about a shallower bottom boat maybe but um yeah it's fun those different techniques and there's a lot of crossover that you learn that that's one thing i'm seeing is that boy because uh because i've tried some of these different bass techniques there's uh that's a lot to be learned that's contributing to walleye or pike or uh, in some aspects muskies too speaking of muskies what are your big strong musky waters in that area well, I'm glad you asked that. You know, gull chain, we went through a little bit of a rigmarole there, but gull chain has musky stocked in it starting in 2016. Oh. I'm hoping that in four years, um, 
you're going to hear about people going out there to target muskies and and seeing seeing fish and getting some reports coming back in you know those muskies right now in gulching are in the mid 30s some of those fish um, okay roosevelt lake up near outing it's an hour north of brainerd is what you know another lake in in the brainerd management area that is stocked with muskies that one started uh five years before gull and so we're you know we're seeing the different stages there and that one is attracting anglers at this point uh we had a survey last year where we saw a 51 incher now she's one of the biggest females in that lake i'm pretty sure but that's, okay. that's a nice fish, and there's uh, a lot of fish in the 40s there in Roosevelt. And then we, you'd have to run over to Malax, where uh, you know 20 miles east or 30-minute or drive east over there. And then uh, the Little Falls management area has some muskies uh, in Shamanaw and Alexander. Oh yeah, okay. And, and oh, I should not leave this out. The Mississippi River, um, particularly below the Brainerd Dam has a native strain, you know, has the uh, Mississippi River strain of muskies in it. A long time there's been some supplemental stocking, but that's, uh, that's I don't know if it's a secret anymore, but, you know, some dedicated anglers have been really happy with muskie angling in the Mississippi River for a while now. You know, that is one thing that you guys have that that is kind of a foreign concept to us, is that river fishing? The Mississippi just isn't wide enough here to really be a good, you know, a, a place a lot of people can go fishing. But st- kind of starting in your area, uh, maybe between Grand Rapids and your area, uh, that's a, that's a viable option for a lot of species. Yep, it's it's interesting. You need a little smaller craft below the dam, and you have to, you know, river fishing. Those river rats know the river. There's stuff to know about river fishing that that. Uh, Anyone, you, you want to know a little bit about the river before you plop your, your boat on there and, and bang it up. Um, above the Brainerd Dam, it's uh, a reservoir, what we call the Rice Lake Reservoir, for a stretch up up until, you know, a ways up halfway towards Crosby, basically, um, that is very lake-like and, you know, it has lake-like features, but um, up above that stretch, then you have free-flowing river, you know, towards Aiken again, and it starts getting narrow and narrow. But still, you have some really deep pools. You can have, you know, 40, 50, 60 foot deep pools in some places. So it's it's a really whole different it's a whole different beast, and (laughs) and not as many anglers are are tuned into it, and the ones that are like to keep it a secret. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I imagine they probably do. Well, one of the uh, other fish species that is getting very popular, and in fact has just been, uh, you know, gotten a promotion to game fish, is burbot or eel pout. Uh, do you have many guys doing that out in the Brainerd Lakes area? Yeah, the burbot fishing is really taken off. Of course, it's primarily uh, when they're aggregated in the spawning season, February, yeah, early March. Um, Gull Lake is one of the. I don't think it's a secret anymore. It's one of the best burbot lakes uh, in the state, for especially for larger ones. And uh, there are a few others uh, where people have, in the whitefish chain, people have found them in the whitefish chain as well. But there are, you know, four or five, there's a handful of them in the state where they're kind of known places. And, and there are some real enthusiasts, and that group of enthusiasts seems to be growing quite a bit. Okay. What what is you know at the risk of 
irritating some of the anglers who like to keep things secrets. What is the biggest secret in the uh, Brainerd Lakes area? <laughs> what is the biggest secret? <laughs> um, boy, you know, we since we just talked about, I mean, the the burbot might be might yeah. be the one where. Um, Gosh, you know, you're in a season where walleye's closed, walleye and pike are closed, and uh, people want to feel a big fish bend in their rod. Burbot are, are great fish, and then they're great eating, too. Uh, you know, you want to keep the right-sized fish sometimes, or maybe not too many, and, and it's nice that we've we've gone away from the the, the rough fish stigma <laughs> a little bit, and I, I think there's more regulations to come in the future on, on burbot because they're, they're actually a cold-water fish, and uh, and that's why they aren't in every every type of lake. It's almost like a Cisco, where they need that cold uh, oxygenated water uh, to survive. And uh, and so some of the you know with climate change, some of the the fringe areas you know we're kind of watching that. Are they gonna are burbot gonna make it um, uh, twenty thirty years from now in in these systems? And how can we uh, preserve them and and make the most out of that fishery? Well, I, you know, I know that as I talk to people um, who are discovering it and people who have discovered it a long time ago, they, like all or many of the Minnesota anglers I talk to, they're serious about keeping, you know, fishery healthy and and very, very proactive and wanting to see, you know, a regulation of some sort come into play. It's it, like we say, it, it step one, making it a game fish. So step two will be determine what that right regulation is. But I think you'll have a, an, a, a very enthusiastic group of anglers who will be uh, more than willing to be, you know, partners in, in making this thing happen. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And, you know, Cisco are another one kind of in a similar category. People targeting Cisco, there's, you know, there's Facebook groups uh, for it. And, and uh, they're a really fun fish to catch. Um, and they bite, and they're and they can be numerous. You know, that's another species. Maybe you could catch twenty, thirty in a day in certain spots, and and there's different techniques to learn how to to chase them, and and uh, that that's a growing area too. We of course got very um, liberal uh, by historical standards with the northern regulations in the last few years. I don't know that that has gotten more people to target them, but. Has that? Have you seen people keeping a few more as they get them? You know, either by accident or by targeting them. I've heard of a few. Yeah, I've heard of anglers that that have focused on that a little bit and and done their part on that. There's a couple case studies uh, in our area where lake associations are promoting the uh, the keeping of small pike and you know kind of doing. Uh, you know, I don't know if you want to call it a derby or. Um, like a bounty system, essentially, um, and so we, you know, we have plans to, to of course track that, and, and hopefully that's going to move the needle and, and help things. But w- what we really know about that north central zone regulation is that protecting those middle-sized fish, where people really start keeping pike, 22 to 26 inches, you know, those are those keeper pike, and if we can preserve some of those fish and get those to slightly larger sized pike before they uh, a few of them get kept um, that is where we are thinking the ecological gain is going to to kick in and where we have uh, preserving the perch population uh, we're, we're hoping that some of the larger pike in the system are going to suppress some of the lo- smaller pike 
and uh, have fewer aggressive mouths out there. And once you have more perch, um, everything starts to, to do better. Uh, any other concerns, anything else you think we need to bring up? Well, um, I would say fishing is, is good in the Brainerd area. We're hoping for a, we're all hoping for the open water season to come here. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and we're going to have an enjoyable summer. All right. Let me ask you this, Professor Bacigalupi, your student, Brainerd Lakes Fisheries, what's its grade right now? Um, I'm giving them, I'm giving them a B plus. B plus. Where does where do they need to improve? Well, like I say, we're we're keeping a close eye on uh, the effects of of yeah. zebra mussels in okay. this area. We, you know, we're this is our that's actually since we're doing the school analogy, we're doing research in that area right now, and and Brainerd's a big part of that study. Okay. He is Mark Bacigalupi. He is the area fishery supervisor out of the Brainerd office, giving us the rundown on all things Brainerd Lakes as we get ready for another great season of fishing. Mark, thank you for taking the time today. Thanks for having me. Toby Cavallivog of Leisure Outdoor Adventures will be fishing opening weekend. We'll get his thoughts next. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. When planning your trip up north, plan to park your RV or camper at the spacious Grand Haven RV Campground in Bemidji. You'll be in the perfect area to ride ATV, fish, hunt, and hike. With free parking for your boats and trailers and located just off Highway 2 west of Bemidji, Grand Haven Campground is the center point for your next Northland adventure. Fish hundreds of surrounding lakes and cruising the miles and miles of the ATV trails northern Minnesota has to offer. Visit GrandHavenCampground.com and book your stay today. Well, time to get ready for the opening weekend. We're checking in with Toby Kabalivog of Leisure Outdoor Adventures. And, Toby, uh, first of all, I got to see you Monday at the Bemidji High School Hall of Fame uh, banquet where I was emceeing and you were being inducted. And it was so weird to think about, you know, all those years ago when we used to ride the bus together when I was doing lumberjack play-by-play and interviewed you as a hockey goaltender. And now here we are. It's been a long time. <laughs> Uh, twenty something, thirty something years later, we're still talking, but this time it's uh, it's more about fishing. It is. It's, it's crazy. We I know we talked about that on Monday night, and thank you uh, in in regards to be, all that you've done uh, for us athletes in the Bemidji area, and then of course being there, spending another additional long day, probably on a Monday, um, to to do that MC job. I know myself and all the athletes and attendees there certainly appreciate that but yes time flies doesn't it, it, it uh, as i see those those seniors walking by as they they, they announce the uh, senior letter winners and the number of kids that come by and and just thinking back and trying to put myself back in those shoes what an exciting time of year and and really they don't have an idea of what's ahead of them right <laughs> they're excited right. about it and uh such a great time in your life they're just they're really in their glory years as they exit dhs and go into their next uh Venture, whatever that is, but yeah, well, yeah, it's been a long time. 1993 is when I graduated, so 1991 would have been back when we we uh, first met up, and that's yeah, that's 30 some years, Kev. Good math. <laughs> wow. Well, listen, Tobe, I, I, we we do want to talk fishing because we you are, uh, have a limited window here, but I did want to get your thoughts on on being inducted into the Bemidji High School Hall of Fame. Well, first of all, it's uh, my initial thought is the well must be running dry. <laughs> yeah, but, but I'm glad that they did. Um, you know, certainly, certainly, I was fortunate enough to have uh, some athletic ability, uh, a lot of stubbornness, and a, a drive. I 
certainly uh, I don't think I've ever lost my status of a competitive freak side of things. Like I, I really enjoy competing, whether it's cribbage or uh, fishing tournaments or hockey or coaching, whatever sport I happen to be coaching that season. Um, and so I, I was, I'm fortunate enough to grow up as a younger brother who had to follow his, his year-and-a-half-old brother, older brother around uh, and try to compete just to, just to, to hang with those guys in whatever game we're playing. And, and fortunate enough to have some athletic ability biologically given to me my wonderful parents, Dean and Dana, and uh, and the platform there in Bemidji, just having some good coaching early on, and I talked about that, uh, just the, the, the teachers and the coaches and all the influences on an athlete to just kind of keep me between the lanes and uh, on, a, on, a, on a path set for success. And, and being, unfortunately, being on that team of, of 93 where we won one game, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of success there when it comes to wins and losses. But fortunately for me and my position as a goaltender, I certainly had a platform to showcase ability. <laughs> and with with 50-some shots a game, uh, there really wasn't a lot of pressure because, there, you know, ultimately we weren't expected to win many games. And and when that's the case, a kid can just go out and play. And I love to play, and I got, I got that's what I got to do. And it worked out. Made my way over to North Dakota, got to play on some other teams that were um, – pretty pretty awesome opportunities and and ultimately ended up having a good career when you sit back now when you're 47 year olds 47 year old uh reflecting on that it was pretty awesome so uh i'm glad to be recognized uh certainly an honor to join the the likes of the rest of the hall of fame uh inductees and uh super super proud so thank you to to you again and anybody else that had any and any of the puppeteers that made that happen it was really an awesome deal for myself and and my family well, congratulations. Well-deserved, no doubt about it. Thank you very much. Well, the game we're going to play this weekend is Catch the Walleye, and uh, I'm assuming that we'll be able to catch plenty of walleyes this weekend. Uh, the lakes are finally opened up. It's going to be some decent weather, and I don't think it's going to be a real secret where to find them. No, I think, you know, year in and year out, ultimately, if the ice is off the lake and, and there's a few minnows to be had as far as buying for for a fishing opener, the game is kind of the same on most of the lakes that everybody's listening from here in our Pub Bunyan country. Um, you know, it comes down to jigs and minnows or maybe some lindy rigging, maybe a bobber. Some people in evenings will go through cast crankbaits, but typically the walleyes are at or near where they typically are on opener. And it's just a matter of playing that wind game and, and maybe the temperature and the weather during the day and, and getting out there and taking advantage of the peak opportunities. You've been on the water a long time. You have fished Leech Lake many, many a year, early ice outs, late ice outs. What tends to be better for the opener, a late ice out or an early ice out? Well, I think I think the fish are congregated more and maybe more predictable when it's a late ice out because typically spawn around certain, certain areas and the shiners have a tendency to show up in the same areas. So I'm guessing the fish are spawning right now and or just post-spawn. Um, the water temperatures I had heard were still in the mid-30s, which if you look at the, the spawning temperatures are a little bit low for that. But I know, I know talking to uh, fisheries biologists that they'll spawn under the ice and the surf. As soon as there's a warm shoreline that opens up, those fish will spawn because that water temperature will spike. So uh, the generalized theory, I think, is that the fish should be at spawn or finishing spawn. I know they were up in the power dam over a week, you know, a week ago. And uh, those fish should have spawned and been on their way back towards Andrusia and Cass and, and whatnot. So I think the fish are doing what they're supposed to do on time. So um, 
with the cooler temperatures, they shouldn't get too far from those areas where they where they make that contact and, and spawn, and, and now they're just going to be looking to load up. So I would think it should be great. Um, I, you know, if you can take advantage of the warmer water areas, you know, when you think about a Bemidji system or Leech Lake, um, you know, Lake Irvine typically is warmer than Lake Bemidji. So I would think this would be a year for certainly Lake Irvine is good on the opening weekends, but I would think that would be maybe a little bit better, especially early in the mornings. Um, and Leech Lake is no different. You know, the, the shallower areas where there's pencil reeds have a little bit darker water, they'll stain to them compared to some of the, the main lake or Walker Bay areas where it's clear, maybe colder. So those, those shallow areas uh, 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 that are a little bit warmer um, certainly should have active fish in and around them. I know the fish count has it's been pretty good in the, in the last couple of years. The main lake has been really, really coming back and, and showing uh, some really good, strong, younger year classes. So um, those. So now it becomes a matter of the wind, right? So we've had we've had pretty consistent wind here this week. We've had a lot of it, but it's a lot of southerly stuff. So south southwest, and and it's blowing those wherever the ice went. <laughs> that's kind of where the wind still is. And so those places that even though it's colder because there's ice chunks up there, but uh, those should be the areas that I would think would have the most congregated fish because those fish are spawning later than maybe some of the other spots. And that's where the food should be because that's where the wind blew. All the plankton and the minnows will follow, and those shiner minnows are up there trying to do their thing too. And they should be. So when I think of Leech Lake, I think of the, you know, the, the main lake. I think of uh, Battle Point, Sugar Point, uh, over on the east side, Bear Island, um, some of the main lake reefs that have been real popular in the past, Annex, um, and then the main lake up in the Suckers, uh, main lake up in the Sucker Bay. That whole west side of Otter Tail going north, I would think, would be good. And then of course the Walker Narrows, you know. And there's all kinds of places that'll have little batches of fish. That ultimately, if you can find those smaller schools by yourself, you're going to be better off than the thousands of boats over big schools when it comes to all-day bite. But, yeah, I think it's going to be good. You know, it's going to be hard to beat uh, a jig and a shiner. Um, there's really two that I go with, or a jig and a minnow. You know, we'll talk about that a little bit too. But a jig and a shiner is uh, it's hard to beat a stand-up jig, maybe a little slower presentation than a typical snap jig or aggressive jig. I think maybe just dragging a stand-up type jig like Northlands right through the sand or sand grass on a slow retrieve is probably going to produce fish. Whereas when it's peak bite, there's supposed to be a full moon, or uh, sorry, the, the peak bite I think is around noon as far as what I saw for Saturday. And uh, again, a minor right before dark. So those afternoon temperatures uh, should heat up a little bit. And then with a little bit of rain or wind coming in in, in the afternoon as I look at the forecast, I would think that 12 o'clock time where the wind's blowing would be really good in the afternoon. And then again, right before dark, uh, two great times to be on the water. I was talking to Schmidt at Northwoods Bait, and he was uh, still pretty nervous about whether he's going to get enough shiners or any. Um, what are you hearing? I just got a I just got a report from Northwoods Bait that uh, they do have some shiners oh. with a limit of two scoops per per angler, um, but that's a sign, right? So if, yeah. it's, if it's Thursday and that's coming out, that means there's going to be more by Friday and even more by Saturday. Uh, Tut's Bait down off of Mille Lacs there, where the first shiners are coming off, are typically those bigger shiners, but they're shiners nonetheless. They're loaded with shiners, and they have unlimited purchase to their scoops. So uh, that tells me they're coming, and they're coming from Mille Lacs first, and I wouldn't be surprised by the weekend if some of those Leech or Winnie uh, shiners or Red Lake shiners, wherever they get those, would be hitting the stores as well. And those are those smaller ones that typically people like a little bit better, but those big ones certainly work. You might have to put them on a Lindy rig if they're a really big shiner uh, versus a jig, but uh, a shiner's a shiner. And I know when I'm going to the buffet, uh, I'm going to find that great big piece of meat that looks good over a little teeny piece one of one that right. I probably should be having with my age, but uh, <laughs> bigger is better when it comes to eating. It is. That's a fact. That's a fact. And, and you know, a lot of people, Tobe, 
because we didn't get that uh, early uh, panfish bite because the ice was still out, um, they maybe haven't taken care of their boat. Please do that before you get to the landing. Yes, absolutely. It can be it can be quite the show, and and uh, if and if and when possible, just take that. Even if you don't do it until you get there, before you get in line, take that time to just give it a check. Yeah. Because yes, you should absolutely start your boat. Make sure it starts, and do not back it in the water till you know it's going to crank and your batteries are hooked up right. And you have gas in the boat, and it's going to fire. Because people are anxious and they want to get out there. If we can just all settle down and and take a deep breath and realize it's opener, and if you're going to get that worked up about it maybe wait for another day <laughs> i know you got to get back to the classroom so we're going to wrap it up with uh with our fast five are you ready for the fast five hit me let's go fast five who's with me <laughs> all right toby kavalibog favorite fish to catch um right now musky favorite fish to eat crappie what was your favorite subject in school woodworking class now Considering you got into the Hall of Fame on Monday as a goaltender, net minding or netting? Netting, 100%. (laughs) About somebody else. And finally, ACDC or Alabama? Alabama, 100%. Mr. Country. I love my ACDC, but (laughs) I saw Alabama live 1983, their very first Wii Fest. I was there. I watched them. I was right up in the front. You cannot beat Alabama. We got it from Toby Kavalibok. Toby, if people want to book you or anybody from the Leisure Outdoor Adventures crew, how do they do that? That would be amazing. We have uh, we have over over 10 guides now that are fishing the entire Paul Bunyan area up in the Vermilion. And uh, to get a hold of me or anybody else, you can just get a hold of us at 855-LOA for Leisure Outdoor Adventures, LOA Hook. That would be great. Or our website, www.leisureoutdooradventures.com. Tobe, thanks for the time, and have a great opening weekend. Thank you very much, Kev. Our next show is the final one before the opener, and it is a Governor's Fishing Opener special. The Governor's Fishing Opener in the Chippewa National Forest will be there tomorrow, and we will talk to a ton of people. I'm Kev Jackson. Thanks to my guests, Mark Bacigalupi from the DNR and the Brainerd Area Fisheries Office, and, of course, Toby Cavalibug of Leisure Outdoor Adventures. But most of all, thank you for listening.